The Playhouse and That's Not Canon Productions acknowledge the Yuggera people, traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording this show today and all surrounding areas where we live, learn and work. We also pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to episode 21! Oh. 21! It's our 21st! Now, this is just a bit of an announcement saying that this current episode with our fabulous guest, we've got a bit of a technical issue and whatnot, so you obviously can hear them, but we've just got a bit of a microphone issue, so yeah, that's just a heads up. Should we just, like, head right into it? Let's head right into it. Here we go. We're speaking to a playwright today, Chels. I think there's one thing I notice about with playwriting in that it is such a big element to the whole story of the show. It's how it really starts. It's really, it's a real process. Of what you want to bring. Hmm. What about you? Because you're a bit of a writer as well. I am a writer. I haven't gone too much into the, like outside of uni, I haven't gone too much into the playwriting world. Mm. I'm more in the, I don't know how to word it without like giving away the company. There's, there's an education company that I work for that are developing a web series and that's what I write. Uh, but I love writing. It's mm. so, um, it's so fun to like put your ideas on a page and, and it's your baby, you know? Very, very zen. Very zen. Very yeah. freeing. Yeah. Because it feels like you're in charge, you're in control. Mm-hmm. And there's, I don't know. there's not really any restrictions to it whatsoever, especially with theatre, though. Yeah. You do oh, what you want. Theatre, you can, and you can say crazy things, I feel like, in theatre. You could say, mm. like with my, my thing, I can't really do anything too crazy. Mm. Um, just some friends going to the picnic, you know. Um, but for theatrical purposes, mm-hmm. look at freaking Oedipus Rex, right? Literally, old mate, finds a gal. Gets married, has some kids, realises oh. it's his mum. And that's Greek. We're talking about thousands and thousands of years ago. Yep. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> and things have only gotten crazier since. I just love that. Like, th- Theatre, you can, you've got all sorts of creative realms mm. and pathways and options. The reason why we're talking about writing and whatnot. Yes, yes, yes. Back on topic, back on topic. Do you want to renounce who this guest is? I would love to announce. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? I'll do it now. Yeah, just yeah. say <laughs> Today, we are talking to... The absolutely spectacular Jai Bryant. Mm. Should we get into the interview? <gasps> yes, good idea, good idea. <laughs> All righty, are you ready? Yes, let's go. Here we go. Jai, welcome to the show. We're super excited to have you here today and talk all things you. Oh, it's a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, so how have you been? I've been good. Um, I've been busy. That's that's all. That that to me is good. When things are busy, when you know life's obviously going back to normal across the whole country, so that is good because it means that you know theatres are opening and there's stuff to do and people are putting things on. So mm. I'm excited about you know where we're heading this year. Hopefully, there's going to be no sort of big obstacles like we've seen in the last year. Yeah, everything <laughs> crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So we wanted to start with. Captain Moonlight. So that premiered yeah, 2020. Last year. Uh, 2020. Last in, was that maybe September-ish, right. I think? Ooh. So just after Miss Coco premiered at Redcliffe Musical Theatre. How did that unfold? Yeah, so um, I had written, well, I'd written that show in a fairly small period of time because it just sort of wrote itself, um, which is sort of quite amazing on its own. And then, of course, COVID ruined a lot of things. Um, it ruined what was going to be the Sydney premiere of the show. So, but um, I've already been in talks with Redcliffe, and then they they said, "Well, we'll you know we'll stage that." 
And I wasn't sure that was going to go ahead because I wasn't sure, obviously, if COVID was going to get in the way for Queensland because we were sort of pretty much locked down at that point. Um, but it still went ahead, obviously, at Redcliffe. And I wasn't able to get into Queensland because the border was closed <gasps> at the time. So that was really disappointing because I was sort of thinking, well, at least I'll get to see it, but I didn't get to see it. So, but thankfully they filmed it. So then I was able to watch it. Uh, and I watched it a whole heap of different times. Thankfully, I was able to get a lot of feedback from different friends that live in Queensland that were able to go along to it. Just some feedback from the theatre company themselves. From you guys as well, I had I, I reached out. I can't even remember who I reached out to. Someone went to review it and I'd said, if you've got any feedback about just structurally what, what you think the show needs. And I can't think of who it was that, that sent a whole heap of feedback, like a massive page of things that they would have liked to have seen, uh, whatever else. So I, I've since that point used all of that page <laughs> as I've been rewriting it. So um, so it went on, I think it went on for, I think it was maybe two weeks. Um, obviously like there was limitations around audience sizes, I think at that point, but some really good feedback. The cast, at least what I saw in the footage, the cast were great. You know, they were, it was a really, it was a really tidy production. Like it was, I watched it and I thought, wow, they've, they've, in a very short period of time, they've really, they worked hard, obviously, from what I'd seen in the footage. You kind of touched on it briefly, but why Redcliffe? I, well, it's, yes. Well, that's a good point, isn't it? Because I'm based in Sydney. Um, I don't have huge amounts of networks in Queensland. So uh, Morton Bay Theatre Company in two. 2019, I think, staged my show, The Things I Could Never Tell Stephen. I went to Queensland to see that, obviously, went up and uh, they did a really great job. Redcliffe reached out not long after that production, wanting to stage that same show. Morton Bay was going to do a, another season of that show, so I'd said, well, it would be pointless to do the same show just round the corner. Mm. <laughs> you don't really want to be competing for audiences with a show that people probably haven't really heard. I said, but I have this one that's just finished. <laughs> I sent them the script and they said, oh, yeah, we'll do that one instead. So it was through that that uh, I made some connections at Redcliffe, so, uh, which is exciting. That's, I think it was really, it was just really exciting that they were willing to put on something no one had ever heard before. Like, that is so exciting for a, from a writer's perspective yeah and it's, it's it's like you said it's so exciting seeing new work as well not i mean yeah. obviously it is fun seeing existing work but even new work uh, is even like 10 times the height really but also it's difficult to sell it as well isn't it because people aren't really going to go along and see something they've never heard of unless their friends are in it maybe yeah <laughs> Uh, so the fact that two theatre companies so close together are willing to take a chance on, on sort of unheard work, like that, I think that is a, that's an amazing thing. Definitely. Speaking of new works, we wanted to know what your writing process looks like. Do you have a formula or do you have something else going on? Or just go like freelancing, <laughs> just like dance and whatnot. <laughs> For those listening, they wouldn't have seen my arms then. <laughs> um, it's sort of one of those things that I guess... I think often we think that writing is this romantic process where all of a sudden something exciting just lands and you just think, I'm going to write about that. And it's this magical process. My process is not magical in any way, shape or form. It's not romantic. It's very rigid and structured and fairly boring on the most parts. Like it's, a, I get a, I usually come across a story or a concept and then from there, I just research it until I know absolutely everything I possibly can about the topic. And I make huge lists of words and sentences and styles and just a lot of research, a lot of dry, boring stuff that 
happens in that process. And it's the same way every time I write something. It's it's that same, very, very much about structure. And I pad out the show once the structure's sort of established. I workshop at a whole heap of different times with different performers, sometimes with musicians if there's a band associated with it. So the process is finding something that I want to write about, ideally something that people might want to see. Uh, but sometimes I want to write about things that, that just interest me, not necessarily the things want, people want to see. So I find the, the topic. Uh, sometimes if I don't have the skills, I'll find a co-writer who might then write a script or a book if I don't feel I have the skills for that project. Uh, and then my focus will usually be on music and lyrics. Uh, and over time, usually over a period of months, sometimes a period of years of you know writing something, editing it, throwing it away, writing something new, finding the thing I threw away and you know, bringing it back in. Uh, so that's sort of the process. And how do you, um, with creating like truthful, meaningful stories, how do you make sure you've got that entertainment aspect for audiences to be immersed to the whole world of the story? Yeah, I think that's the difficult part, isn't it? Because a lot of that's about balance and I sort of think no matter how how tragic a story is there should always be comedy and no matter how comedic a story is there should always be maybe a little bit of tragedy you know I think it's sometimes about finding that balance in there but yeah I think that that was sort of the tricky thing with Captain Moonlight because it's such a tragic story so it's sort of it's sort of like well where's the funny bits there are some funny bits and you sort of have to then try to make really memorable moments out of the those very rare comedic bits to try to give it that. I think it's often just finding stories or, or work that already has that in it, that already has those sort of meaningful things that people might connect with, you know, particularly those sort of very human emotions that no matter who we are, we're probably going to connect with, I think. Because I sort of think that if you're just laughing the whole time, that's fun, like I think that's good, but you sort of also, it's, you know, it's that playing with the conflict stuff. So comedy only works when there has been some con some conflict that needs to be relieved mm. you know and i think a good example of that is in lame is the master of the house although it is a, it's a fairly short scene and in the scheme of the whole show but it is so it's so needed and people really laugh at it it may not even be really that funny but it's just that compared to the I guess the depth of the tragedy, you know, we, we have a good laugh at because it's about that balance and that relief from all that heaviness that we need. I just keep getting in a trance here. You just speak. I like, I do a little bit of writing. So I lo I lo I'm just like, wow. Yeah. I'm like taking like a million notes. I feel like this is like the <laughs> learning mode for me. And I think this is the same because we're both, we're both like emerging artists and especially with writing as well and creating stories. It's a matter of a, how to even write a story and to to find that balance of what works and what doesn't work because with writing it's how the story or the world of the story actually begins yeah i think initially you need to be setting up some element of conflict like there needs to be a problem to be resolved mm. and it's interesting because i was at a meeting a few weeks back and and um, the, the writer had her a family member there and the family member i think was a bit shocked that we were talking so much about where's the conflict where's the problem in the story because she'd sort of said yeah but you know why are you so focused on drama and, and problems and as i'd said humans love drama <laughs> you know we love problems mm. but we also love when problems get resolved as well you know and so from that 
from the earliest point in the show, there needs to be something that, that we care about resolving. And if that's not there, then we sort of go, well, I could go home right now. <laughs> you know, we need something that keeps us there, that we just, we're waiting for justice to be served or we're waiting for, you know, the baddie to, to you know, karma's going to get them. We're, we're waiting for that because we, it doesn't often happen in real life. So that's why in theatre and in art, we, we love it because, you know, it all works out. It's all the happily ever after type thing, isn't it? Something I'm like intrigued about, like writing is such a like a solo art, and then you hand off your baby to a team of people. Yeah. How how does that feel to have this thing that's your you've been working at working and then you just take it away and you <laughs> give it to someone else? What's how does that feel? Yeah, I, well, I think that that's one of those things you get better at, of course. <laughs> when you've when you've got several babies out in the world, it's probably a bit easier. You know, you're not so much focused on one. If you've got just one, I think that can be really quite, what are they doing to my baby? That's not how I saw it. And the reality is, I think that as writers, we sort of need to be okay with that. From the earliest part of our writing, we need to recognize that we're writing it to give it away unless you're not writing to give it away and then it's going to sit on your dusty shelf forever but i think that if you're a writer you don't want things sitting on your dusty shelf you want those things out into the world because i think that's often why we write don't we we write things because we want to share stories with the rest of the world we want to connect so i think that you sort of need to figure out well yes this is a piece of work i've spent maybe years on that I really love, but do I love it more than having it out in the world, I guess? What do I love more? Do I, you know, do I want it out in the world or, do, or is it too special that it's something I just need to keep for myself? Mm-hmm. And I think some of that, if you're writing from a therapeutic space, you probably don't want to be putting it out into the world. But if you're writing from an entertainment place, I think that's a different story, isn't it? When it comes to theatre companies staging my work, my show, The Things I Could Never Tell Stephen, has been staged eight times across the world now. Now, every time that a director takes it on, when I see the footage or when I go along to it, often there are parts where I go, yeah, that's not really how I envisioned it. But that's, that's, that's what happens, isn't it? You know, that there are also times where I see a show, a version of it, and I think, wow, I never would have thought that. Like, I, I would never have done that, but it worked. So that's always going to be the balance, that sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. But you need to weigh up what's more important. Is it more important for it to be in the world or is it more important for it to be pure and exactly as I wrote it? But that's probably going to mean it sits on my shelf. You've kind of (laughs) briefly mentioned the things I could never tell Stephen. I've got a question about the rights. So what's the yeah. process in terms of companies getting the rights? Does it, um, is the final decision on you or is it on something else? Or? They just DM you on Instagram and say like, hey, please can I do your show? <laughs> yeah, so, and that's, so basically what it is is that I hold the rights, obviously, and I, so then they contact me and my team and then, and then I send them sort of an expression of interest form. We figure out, well, how many shows are they going to do, all of that sort of stuff. I establish a cost for that um, and then if they agree to all that, they sign a contract um, and then off they go. I send them the material, all of that. So it's a fairly straightforward process and I guess my piece of advice for anyone that wants to do that is you just need to make it as easy as possible in getting your work into the world. 
the problem is that people, especially with unknown work, they're not going to want to have to, you know, spend a lot of time trying to find you or whoever holds the rights to your show. So you need to make yourself very accessible. You need to make the work very accessible. That is, if you are hiring your rights to someone that you can give them everything they need, such as scripts, scores, whatever it is, uh, and it's all clean and tidy and easy to use because they don't want to have to be sort of going, oh, I need the sheet music to such and such song. Can you send me that? It's missing this, it's missing that. Make it as easy as you possibly can if you're wanting people to stage your stuff. You also need to reach out to theatre companies as well. Present them stuff that you've got. If you've got a show, a play, a musical in your collection that you think is something that could tour or could just go on fairly easily, um, I find coming up with a bit of an information pack is really useful. So it lists all the characters, all the requirements. It has pictures from previous shows. It has a little bit about you as the writer. As much information as you can can get so they can look through that. And if it seems easy enough, they might go, oh, yeah, we'll do this. Uh, so make it really easy. Uh, but for me, I, I run all of that myself because then that ensures that then I have creative control over what people do with my shows mm. uh, now that doesn't always go to plan because sometimes people will sign contracts and then they don't necessarily live up to those contracts so that can be tricky um, and that's when you sort of need to get legal advice and all of that but on the most part you'll find that uh, theater companies you know they're really excited to work with emerging writers and and put on things that other people may not have necessarily seen before so Definitely give it a go if you've got stuff on your shelf. When you were like a fresh baby emerging fetus writer, how did, <laughs> what? you know what I mean, like, like the early, early days, how did you go from page to stage? Did you approach the theatre companies and say, I have a thing? Like when? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because I was really fortunate that I grew up in a community theatre. Meanwhile, I couldn't sing, dance or act. So how I grew up in a community theatre is beyond me. But somehow they let me on stage for quite a lot of different shows. <laughs> Uh, but eventually I started to then be musical director for musicals and things. Uh, but because they recognised that I was writing my own stuff from about the age of maybe 15 or something, um, some of the older people in the theatre company said, let's get you and let's get maybe one of the older playwrights in the society. We're going to join you together as a team and you're going to write an end of year pantomime together. Now that worked. That worked really well. The first one wasn't amazing musically. Uh, but I learned a lot of stuff. <laughs> I learned huge amounts of stuff through that process. And for the next four years, we did that. So every year I would write this end of year show. The theatre company would charge the cheapest ticket price uh, and it would be filled with families and, and the show would always be a very family friendly type fun show. And every time I got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. So those sort of opportunities don't really exist though. So it's my hope, though, that theatre companies will start to do that, that they will. I didn't realise at the time that that was actually a very rare experience that I was so fortunate to have. But I hope that theatre companies can do that more often, where they maybe see a young person who has skills, but they just need a, a place to practise those skills, whether it's in playwriting, musical writing, whatever it is. If we can see more theatre companies doing that like that theater company probably didn't it didn't cost them really any money they always earned a lot of money out of those shows mm. because they were such cheap ticket prices they had very small budgets so it was a great 
sort of learning ground, I think. And if we can get more of those, I think that we would see a lot more Australian writers. Um, I'm part of a student theatre company at university and they do like an annual festival of where they have young emerging playwrights or want to pitch a show and they use it as a stepping or like a springboard if they want to potentially extend it. So while it is, while it is beneficial for young artists, if there are people who are a mature age, that would be also be a really good platform for them to explore their craft as well. Exactly, exactly. It's, a, it's such an important thing. And I think we need more mentors as well. We need people who have skills saying, I'm here, reach out to me, I can share my skills. Um, you know, that, I just think it's such an important thing. We need to be learning from each other. Obviously, you know, no matter how good we think we get, there's always so much to learn from other people. Like, there's you know, so much, so much there. I feel like there's also a lot of young people that don't realise the world of writing exists. Like, if they grow up in that acting, kind of performing bubble, they always just think, I'm a performer, I'm a performer, and then it's not until maybe they're older and they're thrown into a group assignment at uni where they've got to write a thing or devise a thing. Yeah, literally, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, I think, unless you're the same thing as well, like, when I started my drama degree at the start of a couple of years ago I was like I want to perform I want to be on the stage yeah. I'm an actor I'm an actor but <laughs> when you eventually study your craft and kind of go into the finer details you find smaller things that you have another interest in yeah. so for mm-hmm. me personally mine's performing and directing and playwriting I think you're so right in saying that we have such a focus on performance, don't we? And I remember, uh, you know, when I was in doing the HSC, that my my music teachers pushed me toward performance. Now, in hindsight, they really shouldn't have done that. They really should have pushed me toward composition because that, in hindsight, is where my skills were. I've, I've been a much better writer than I have been performer. But it took me a long time to figure that out because I think we're so as you've said, so focused on performance that we don't realise that actually there are other jobs here that you actually may really, really excel at. Mm -hmm. So if we can be thinking more broadly about, well, actually, songwriting may be your area. Playwriting might be your area. And although you might enjoy performing and acting, you actually might might prefer writing. You know, that's something Mm -hmm. just to consider. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like we need, like, we've got our dance classes, we've got our drama classes. It's like we almost need, like... As a part of the drama, I mean, because I'm a, um, almost a drama teacher, but in our drama curriculum, there's a little bit, you do a little bit of everything, but yeah. most of the kids are like, I'm a performer, I just do this assignment. You just want to push yeah. them and do, what else yeah. do you want to do? I keep saying, I'm like, everyone's yeah. doing a portfolio career these days. Everyone's doing a little bit of everything. You can't That's just say, especially when you're 16, 17, yeah. I'm just a performer. And you don't want to put yourself just in that box, because as we know, there is so much out there, isn't there? So much that you can do. You can be doing all of those things, as you're saying, and that... That's totally valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, started to go down the path now based on my book. I've created a course from that, which I just finished running in Goulburn in New South Wales. It's a regional town inland uh, with a group of young people over a period of 10 weeks. Uh, they wrote their own musical. Wow. The youngest was 12. The oldest was 24. And there were six of them, and over a period of... So they were supported by their theatre company and by the producer of their theatre company. Uh, and I sort of came in as, like, dramaturg, mentor, and uh, came on in, and they they had a, a staged reading of their of their musical, at the, which, you know, that was a couple of weeks back now. But 
something like that, again, that's really an unheard of thing, yeah. isn't it? Mm. You know, for, for them, so some of them have some really great skill. And mm. I think they surprise themselves at the end of that process. But what seemed like was just going to be, oh, yeah, we're just going to write a couple of scenes. By the end of it, they were really pleased with what they came up with. You know, and so I think we need more more of that stuff for people to realise that there's not just piano lessons <laughs> you know we can be learning other skills there to go on to do writing and whatever else so thinking outside the box with writing for theatre and whatnot it's totally different compared to like screenwriting and um books in general mm. comics and whatnot what would yeah. be your main piece of advice for writing for theatre oh that's so tricky isn't it well i think that um to me theatre is my is my favorite medium <laughs> If it's in terms of writing musicals, I always think find a musical or a story that sings, that is something that, that leans toward moments where there are sort of these moments where a character sort of you know, explores how they're feeling or whatever, those sort of moments. But when it comes to theatre, I think what's so special about theatre is that it's in the moment, it's right there. It's, it's you know, I love especially uh, really intimate theatre pieces. I think that when a small group of people, audience and performers, experience something together, I think that is such a, a magical thing, and some people may even say spiritual thing, um, that sort of connection, that exploration of just our humanity. And I think that's the part about theatre that I love most, is that we can explore without necessarily relying on sets and costumes even. We, we rely totally on the storytelling that's happening right in front of us. Our imagination is needed in that experience as well. A good actor can take us to all these different places in a sort of black box set, while in, in other things like maybe movies or, or whatever, you know, that's a bit different. We can, the set is given to us. But I sort of think, for me, that's a really exciting part, is that we get to tap into people's imaginations in theatre. So we're almost ready to wrap up, but before you go, we wanted to know if people want to get in contact or keep up with your journey, is there a social media or a website or where can they find you? Yeah, so they can go to jaybryant.com. So J-Y-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T.com. And that's filled with all the stuff that I do. Uh, I've got Facebook page, Jaybryant Productions. Just basically put that name into Google and no one else is really going to come up, <laughs> thankfully, because my parents gave me weird names. There you go. <laughs> Fabulous. And, and our final question that we ask everyone, you, see, you seem to have been taken quite far with your creative journey, but we want to know where is home for you? Writing, is it in a specific location? Is it in a specific theatre? Is it your home where you write? Um, hmm, that's sort of a tricky question, isn't it? What's home? Home, I guess, is is writing. I find that I, it doesn't really matter where I am. Often I'm very much in my own mind a lot of the time. So I could be sitting anywhere, really. But in my own mind, I'm in a far-off land, you know, uh, exploring the next thing I'm writing about. So for me, I guess home is really in my mind. Aww. I probably should see a doctor about that, but that's where home would be. <laughs> I love it. I love that though. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on thank to you for this me. episode. We really appreciate it. And I think is this is the first time we've had a, a writer. 
a playwright. I think it is. A yeah. Playwright. Yeah. We've had some composers. Really? Yeah. I think we've had composers and lyricists and like some devisers, but like not a writer. So thank you. You're yes, the first one. You. Oh, I'm number one. Yay. First number time. one. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for your words thank of advice you and yeah. your structure and whatnot. And yeah, I really appreciate your time and your brilliance. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Playhouse pick, pickety picks. We're picking for the playhouse picks. Yeah, that was good. Really? Yeah. I look at after speaking to Jai Bryant, I feel like I'm a I'm a writer now. I'm a real writer. I feel like the the creative juices are flowing in now. Yeah. We know what we're doing now. Real talk. I just want to like go home and start writing. Hey, right now, literally, literally. right now. Bye, Let, girls. Now. Great day. Great session. See, you. See no. you soon. But no, we have to do the playhouse picks. Yes, the playhouse picks. As you all know, the playhouse picks is where we share some up and coming stuff that's cool and exciting. Mm-hmm. And if you ever would like us to share your up and coming thing. Mm-hmm. The best way to get in contact is to hop on the Theatre House website, click on the Playhouse little button, button Rooney. There's a there's a, a form there, so please get in contact. We would love to have a chit chat about and your advertise project. advertise what's going on. Yeah, auditions, shows, the whole shebang. Let us know. So, what is our first Playhouse pick? Well, our very first Playhouse pick is the smash hit musical sensation set to hit QPAC in June. It is Chess the Musical. Ooh. Chess tells of a complex love triangle combined with dramatic political intrigue set against the background of the Cold War and a rock opera score by Abbas, Benny and Bjorn. Whoa. I know, right? I know. Yeah. This production is also starring the one and only Natalie Bassingthwaite. We've also got Rob Mills, oh. Australia's musical theatre sweetheart. Yes. And... One of my, my high school pals, Devin Braithwaite. Shout out, Devin. Super proud of you. Aww. Congrats for being in this one. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, so, Chess runs one weekend only, 8th to the 10th of June. Exciting. Now, moving away from the theatre now and over to TV. Oh. Brooke, what are some of your favourite TV shows? Oh, oh! you know what? I just finished Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Did you watch that? No. Are you a Marvel fan? No, not really. Fair enough. I'm not. <laughs> my boyfriend is. So and you kind of got it. sucked into it, really. Watched it. I really loved WandaVision. And then... I've heard of that. that I heard it's pretty good. Yeah. I loved WandaVision. I was a bit... With, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier at start because it didn't pass the Bechdel test for the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit like... Mm. Mm, 2021 and something, but the, the way it ended, I was like, you know what? Mm. I, I did enjoy watching it. Yeah. What mine's, about you? Mine's like, yeah, funny sitcoms. I was like thinking, um, The Office, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the US version, though. <laughs> the US version, though. There's a bit of a debate between UK and US, though, but I do love Friends as well. The Office and Friends. Friends. Love it to bits. And also, Below Deck. It's a rea- What's Below it's a, Deck? Below Deck is a, like a reality TV show though, but it's not really, yeah. Oh, I love reality TV. It's so good. I love suggested. It. But yeah, have you have you ever seen the classic British sitcom Keeping Up Appearances or heard of it? I've heard of it. I don't think I've watched it. I'm like thinking back now. I don't think I've seen it. But what's yeah. the goss? So Keeping Up Appearances follows the life of an eccentric and snobbish lower middle class social climber, Hyacinth Bucket, who insists on pronounce, or pronouncing Bucket as bouquet for both of the fans of the show and the brand new fans after our amazing description will and bath theater company are presenting more of hyacinth haughty 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 high jinx in a previously unseen episode with their stage production of keeping up appearances this stage sitcom will run from the 4th 
to the 20th of June. Moolumbar Theatre, that's in the Tweed region. So that's like my way. Well, it's, yeah. like, it's a little bit south of me, but like. It's your area. So Brisbane Heights, if you feel like, like driving down mm. past my house, keep going down the highway. Yeah. Get on down to Moolumbar. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Now, Chels. Yeah. Can you guess why I'm excited for our next Playhouse pick? Why are you excited? The first thing that comes to my mind is Disney. It's Disney! (laughs) Sorry, earphone listeners. Very, very sorry. I simply cannot wait to be their guest because Queensland Musical Theatre are putting on absolute classic, timeless, timeless classic tales all the time, some might say, Beauty and the Beast. (gasps) Oh, Oh, I love Beauty and the Beast. I remember watching it when I was little with my grandparents that have the actual, is it the VH? VHS. VHS tape. Oh. And I'd watch it all the time. But yeah. He's oh. not the monster Gaston. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> we are very excited for this one. This all singing, all dancing, pop. Wait, did she say poor provincial town at one point? Or did she say, wait, uh-huh. let's, let's go for Towns Quiet Village, the Towns Quiet Village, and I was just saying, hello, 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 push, 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 I got the back with the tray, like, oh, it's just the same. It's poor provincial town. Yeah, she does. I knew she said it at one point, but in my head, it's the part where she goes, it must be when it's provincial life. And I was like, oh, is that what's happening? And anyway, that was a that was a big, big chunk of time spent to me. Zipping well, through hey, those lyrics. Dizzy because we were time traveling. It's like, where does she say poor provincial town? I know she must say it at one point. Anyway, back mm-hmm. on topic. We're very excited from the 2nd to the 13th mm-hmm. of June, right around the corner. Exactly. Now, our final Playhouse pick for today is a play that I'm sure many of our roomies have studied in school. Is it still on the syllabus book? <laughs> is it still, <laughs> is it still there? thing about this is the, the syllabus is enormous. There's there's so many, you know, let's do a live Google. Let's do a live Google. Do you want to know if it's on the 11s or 12s or for, for the juniors? Who Any, do you want to know? but do you want me to, do you want me to give out you the playhouse talking. and you can do the research? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yep. cool. Because <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a I'm big syllabus. I'm pretty sure it is, but I don't want to give wrong information. Okay, cool. So this playhouse pick, it is a story of rebellion, propaganda, and a pig called Napoleon. Ooh. It is, of course, George Orwell's Animal Farm. You've heard of it, eh? Of course. Yeah, of course. Now, after 2020 halted their production, the iconic Shake and Stir are back to make theatre great again. They're about to shake things up. Yeah, all of you Toowoombians. I don't know if that's their name. Toowoombians. Toowoombians, I or like Toowoombas. that. Or Toowoombians, yeah. All of you guys get the first look at the Empire Theatre on the 4th of June before it heads to QPAC at the Cremorne Theatre from the 7th to the 26th. So get it all in there and whatnot because those tickets will be selling out. Now, Brooke, have you found it yet or no? I haven't found it. I'm almost certain that it is on there because it is a, it a is classic. If, if Animal Farm's not, it'll be 1984. I, feel, I was going to say 1984, which also Shake and Stir have done as well. They really have. Gosh, what are they? They've what done, are they not doing? They've done a lot. They've done Dracula, Weathering Heights, all the classics, really. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. Brings all the th- uh, classics to the stage. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think theatre's the type of medium mm-hmm. where these stories just come to life. And, of course, if you would like to know all of these fantastic Playhouse picks, head over to our fabulous show notes where you would, might want to grab a ticket because theatre is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really hard being a young creative and not knowing the next step. So when you see someone who 
has taken the next step and a few steps after that, like Mm. just hearing, okay, actually hearing something and being like, oh, well, I could action that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, and Jai's great. He was, he was really generous with his advice and we're, we're really lucky to be talking to him. All right. We're going to see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. And see. That's Not Gunner Productions podcast. Can a song just objectively be bad? Yes. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from it. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm James Keogh. And on our new podcast, My Songs Suck, we talk to writers and musicians who share with us some of their earlier, less good content and reflect on how far they've come. If you want to get in on the fun, head to That's Not Canon Productions or find us on iTunes, Google Play or whatever podcatcher you use. My songs suck, because everyone makes mistakes. Just make sure you record them. Uh, That's Not Gunner Productions podcast.